service. Welcome to our 10 a.m. service here. Everybody's here. And those who are online, we are so grateful to be able to have the opportunity to just go through the Word, study, learn from our, our Creator, our Father, our Lord, and see what He has to tell us. Because our whole point, our whole mission in life is to walk with Him better. So that's, that's what we're going to do. Hopefully we're going to learn some things. Um, so let's pray. And I have the Hebrew prayer up there. If anybody, it's probably hard to read. But I'm just going to read it and say it. I normally try to read this every time before mine. I say this is our 10 a.m. But we, like I said, we should do this every day when we're studying Torah. So this is just a blessing. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commandments and commanded us to engross or immerse ourselves in the words of the Torah. Father, I just thank you for loving us, Lord. I pray for, Lord, I pray for all of the ministries here today at Congregation Beth Adonai. Lord, I pray for the video ministry, the Oneg ministry, the ushers, the greeters. I pray for our rabbis. I pray for the audio. I pray for any other ministries that I may have forgotten. But I thank you that all of them will flow well, Lord. I also pray for the greater Messianic community. Lord, the rest of all the Messianic um, congregations here in Atlanta and throughout the world, Lord, I thank you that things will flow well today and whenever they have their services, Lord, that people will be blessed, people will be ministered to, Lord. I thank you that people are coming into the house in order to get some hope. People are coming into the house to get some direction, Lord. That's, that's why people come, and I just give you praise for that, Lord, and also to edify each other. Lord, and I just thank you for all that you're going to do today. Thank you for using my words, my mouth, my everything, Lord. And thank you for showing me how to, whatever you want me to do today, Lord. I, I have an outline, but my mission is to hear from you and to be yielded, to listen to your voice. Lord, we are like practicing physicians. We are practicing our, um, our walk with you every day. And I just give you praise for what you're going to do ahead of time. In Yeshua's name, amen. Amen. And today, we are, I want to start with this phrase, nothing just happens. What does that mean? Nothing just happens. Do think, see that, that statement is like an hour just thinking about it. Because sometimes we think, I think there's, we are here together and this is not just it just happened to be. I don't think it's just a coincidence. And if you ever do any Hebrew study, there is actually no specific Hebrew word for coincidence. Think about that. See, God is the great designer, and he has specifically designed every one of our lives. And I believe all of us have the ability to connect to him. Well, whether we connect to it or not doesn't change his design. So just think about that. It wasn't by chance. Some of y'all say, it was by chance I got here. I barely made it here to congregation because of, you think that. But I believe it was designed before the creation of the world with each one of us, how we are to do, how we are to live. So sometimes we think it's just, it just happened. It didn't just happen. It happened because there's a great designer. And I want to start by reading uh, Romans. So if you have your Bible, I want to read Romans chapter 9. Verse 6. Because the title of this message is Israel is not all Israel. 
All Israel is not is not Israel. All Israel is not Israel. That's the title. That's kind of confusing. I said the same word. All Israel is not Israel. What do I mean by that? I think most of y'all know what it means by that. But it's it's good to clarify because sometimes we can get we can get those words messed up. I just want to read this. I'm not gonna go too much into that, but this is important. Romans 9, 6 says, but it is not as though the word of God has failed. And, to, and this is something to note. To get a full context of what anybody is ever reading, you should always go back and read the whole chapter. Because it's easy to take things out of context and con anyone. I'm just being honest. That's just the way it is. You can take the scripture and read a verse here and read a little verse here and make it say something that it didn't say. We're kind of like we were just talking about video. People can create videos all day to say a message about something that's just a lie. Matter of fact, they can make you say something you didn't say. They'll take a clip here, put a clip over here, and put this here. And it's, that's why you have to, it's our due diligence to go back and look at the whole picture. That's why it's good to go back and read all the scripture. Don't take my word on it, because I could be a fool and some crazy. You don't know. Maybe I'm not. Hopefully I'm not. But anyway, you should always study the scripture for yourself. So Romans 9, 6 says, but it, is, but it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. I just want to just stop there. Not all who are, some believe and even have a misconception. I think it's, it's definitely a stumbling block. Those who are Jews that you're just, you're just automatically in God's family. You got to be careful. Because this is a fine line, and sometimes no one wants to talk about it, but I like to talk about things that nobody likes to talk about, because I just believe we need to know that all Israel is not Israel. Just like every individual human is not a believer in Messiah. That's ridiculous. You wouldn't say that. It's the same thing as saying that all Jews are not God's people. I know somebody wants to fight me right now. But all Jews have not connected to God. Now, they are ethnically, they are born, they're God's children. Um, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they're in the lineage of the family of God. They've carried the Torah. They, they kept the word. It, was, it has been commissioned to God's people to, to um, share the, um, with the world the, the light of Messiah. But guess what? Everyone who's in the family is not in the family. You got to understand that. And I want to read this. This is, um, this is from uh, Rabbi, um, what's his name, Shapira, who was here like two weeks ago. And this is his Siddur. And on the back of his Siddur, and this was fitting, I was reading this in my prayer time this morning, um, at, in my Shakari prayer time. I didn't even, I wasn't even going to say this, but this was just perfect and added to it. On the corner, if you have one of these Siddurs, it says, I'm going to read this in Hebrew, it says, Anu, me, Mia me neem. Y'all say, what does that mean? That means we believers. That's what it means in Hebrew. It means we believers. So when we're talking about the, the second Israel, we're talking about those who believe the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So just because you were born whatever, you have to individually believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's completely between you and God. I can't look at you and say, are you Israel? Are you a child of God? 
Are you in the family of God? That's not for me to look at to do. That's personally between you and God. I think when we get to, um, when we, when we get to heaven or as we walk with our Lord more, there are going to be people who are in the body that we don't think should be there. And I think they're in the body. Again, that's between them and God. It's not for me at all. I need to read another verse. First uh, Peter 2 9 says, but you are a chosen generation. Y'all know this verse, right? A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Who is he talking about? Is he talking about Israel? He's talking about God's people. He's talking about people who are in the family. Do, now, who I'm reading about right here, do they have to be ethnically Jewish, born Jewish? No. No, they're talking about any individual human being on the planet who's accepted the Messiah. Any individual who is walking with God. And it's between you and God. Let me start to read that again. But you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, that's beautiful. That's the whole point. God has called us to tell Jews and non-Jews about this light. And see, when he calls us into the light, we're to get a hold of this light, we're to get a hold of God and walk with him and allow this light to shine out of us. That is the whole point. So when you say, to go back to that statement, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, we're simply, all they're saying is everybody is not in the family. Don't get it twisted. We get it twisted all the time. Amen? Amen. I have a little game we're going to play. So I had to make sure I bring all my toys. Okay, so you have to play along with me, okay? You can't act like you're asleep. Anybody asleep? Okay, anyway, all right. So what card do I have up? Can y'all see it? Four clubs. Ignore the circle number. I use this for my class as well. So ignore that. So a four club. Two hearts. Seven of clubs. Five of heart. Two more. Ace of, Ace of diamond. And there's a method to this. I promise I'm not just playing cards. <laughs> Twist fade. How about I tell you one of them you were wrong? You were kind of right, but you were kind of wrong. What's that? Is it two hearts? You sure it's two hearts? This is actually the three of heart. I'm fooling you on purpose, okay? I'm messing with your brain. I took the, the middle part and I whited it out. So it's actually two hearts, but it's a three of heart. See what I did? And I did this to show nothing just happens. Let me explain. Because sometimes we think things are a certain way, but you may be seeing it in the wrong dimension. See, sometimes you got to see things with a new set of eyes. So sometimes you could be coming to congregation, you could be going to your job, you could be hanging out with somebody, and something is right there in your face, and you don't know it's there. Does that make sense? That's why it's so important to just sit 
and have a, a position to just learn when you come in and just soak it in. Because sometimes we can come in to congregation or work or anywhere and you have the perception that I already know what they're talking about. That's not going to help me. I got that. I've been doing this for 30 years. Who do you think you are talking to? Anyway, but really it's not me talking to you. See, if you have that perception, you're thinking, you know what? God is speaking to me on the inside. I just happen to be a mouth up here speaking. When you walked on the, on the, came into the congregation, hopefully everything is speaking to you. The chairs, everything that's going on. As you talk to somebody, all of it's speaking to us about our Messiah. And that's why we have to do our due diligence not to get so, um, I like to say, closed-minded. It's easy to get closed-minded because we're just human, and we're just that way. And say, you know what? I'm just going to be this way forever, and that's just the way it is. Stop. You gotta, we have to always do our due diligence to think out of the box, push ourselves. So my mission in life, one of my mission in life, is to push you to think about something you didn't think about. Amen? All right. Next slide. We have a picture. What do you see? Group of kids. Anybody seen that movie? It's a old. It's a clip from an old movie, 1970. The, the movie is called Claudine. And I see one, two. I have to count. How many kids we got there? We have five children. I see five potential. Who knows what? what? What will each one of those children become? I don't know. I think children are full of potential. Adults are too, but we forget. Like you ask, you ask a child what do they want to do and they're like two. What do they want to be like? Well, they're like two. They want to be like Superman, Wonder Woman. Hopefully the boy doesn't be one. That's another conversation. All right. But they want, to be, they want to be something that's great. You think that changes when you get older? Sometimes it does, but should it? No. It shouldn't. We need to have that childlike mentality to say, you know what? God can do great things in me now, even though I'm 80, even though I'm 70, even though I'm 53. It's not just for the kids. It's for the big kids. It's for the 47-year-old kids. I'm 47. 47-year young children. God wants to do so much in our lives, but we have to do our due diligence to push ourselves. And I put this clip up here. Because I'm trying to make a point. Um, in the movie, the movie was awesome. It was in 1974. And um, it was Diane Carroll and James Earl Ray. That's the characters in the movie. That was the, the, the main stars. Um, and Diane Carroll was the, I, I think her name was Claudine. And she had six children. And this was during a time, she, it was like the welfare system. Y'all remember in 1964, new plan welfare system. Anyway, not to go into that. But this was kind of projecting that. She, was, she had six kids, and she was living on welfare. She was trying to take care of her children. And she was between a rock and a hard place. The rock and a hard place was, hmm, do I get a job and get off of welfare? I'm probably going to make less money doing that. Or do I stay on welfare because the government's paying me really well and just stay home and take care of my kids? What would you do? You get the point, right? I'm just trying to, I just want to get that perception. Sometimes we have decisions to make. I'm not saying you need to make that decision, but this is the decision she had to make. So she decided to stay home and take care of her kids 
and allow, and then people look at her and go, you know what? Bad person. Look at her. She's just lazy, home taking care of all them kids. She need to go out and get a job. See how the perception thing I was talking about? Sometimes we, we look at on the outside of things and we think it's one way and really we don't know nothing about the situation. Well, there's another character in the situation. It was her boyfriend and her boyfriend had three children of his own. And anyway, the girlfriend boy, Claudine, was, was Diane Carroll and James Earl Ray was the boyfriend. I forgot his name. But there's several scenes in this movie and, and it does connect to all this, I promise. That was the whole point. Um, but there's several scenes and he had to make a decision as well. One decision he had to make, because he, now he was a girlfriend, was, they were boyfriend and girlfriend for years now, and he's watching these six children grow up. So he's kind of like a father figure. But they changed, they made a law. And in this law, it said, it said something that it was gonna make it really difficult for him to take care of his other three children and to take care of the six children that he was about to get himself connected with. So he had to make a decision here as well. His decision he had to make was, do I stay with her or do I not stay with her and go and take care of my three kids? Because he couldn't afford to do both of them. That was his challenge. What decision did he make? And another scene in the movie, which I thought was beautiful, and at the end of the movie, they ended up getting married and they lived happier ever after, which is a beautiful thing. But one, one, one um, part in the movie, which I wanted to get out, two parts in the movie, um, the oldest brother, who's not in the scene right now, um, he was arguing back and forth with his mother. They were like going at it because he was hating life. He was like, you know what? I, this is ridiculous. We're living in this little apartment and you're not working and they're going back and forth. The son is just mad. He's being very disrespectful. I'm talking about nasty, nasty, nasty. And one thing he said was, he said, you know what? I wish you would have just aborted me. I wish you would have aborted me before I was even born. I said, wow. Well, that opened up my eye. I said, that's, I'm using that for the teaching. That's perfect to go on what I'm talking about. I look for things like that. It just helps my brain. But he said, you know, I wish I wasn't even born. I said, wow, we need to address that. We need to talk about that. And we need to have a conversation about that. And another scene in the movie, and then we're going to leave this movie, um, James Earl Ray, he was the boyfriend. And those, and those kids, they loved him because he had been there for them. He was the only father that they really knew. Because their other, their active biological dad, they were not there for at all. He, they, were, they just wasn't in the picture. So he was like their dad. But he had to make that decision. Now the older brother, he didn't like him. Why do you think the older brother didn't like him? Because he didn't trust him. Because he didn't know how to trust. Because all the men who had come in his life had just been sorry, just to be honest. They say, you know what? They say they're going to be there, and they don't be there. They're doing something else. Okay? This last scene... He came and he found the um, boyfriend in a bar. This is the older brother. He came, he was so mad at him, he was cussing him, all kind of blankety-blank. And he went up and he just started to punch him. He just punched him in the face. And the, 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 the boyfriend, which was so beautiful in the picture, he didn't fight him back. He just, he just let him do it. Because think about it, this is an 18-year-old, he's a big guy, 18-year-old. But he just allowed him to just kind of beat up on him. And even as he was beating up on him, punching him, knocking him all over the bar, he was like, look, I understand why you're upset. He said, I understand why you're hurt, because you don't trust me, because you don't see it. You don't understand. 
And again, like I said, at the end of the movie, they finally do get married and they live happy ever after. But sometimes we look at things, somebody else may have come on the outside of that and looked at that situation and went, whoa, what's going on here? Or somebody may say, you know, why are you letting this young kid beat up on you? Don't take that. Well, I thought it took, it took a bigger person to say, you know what? I know this kid is going through a lot. I need to be the man in this situation. And I need to love on him where he is. That was so beautiful. That, to me, that shows the love of God right there so much. And that's how I believe God has put us in place to be his heart everywhere we go. Because sometimes we, it looks like things are a certain way. We need to step back and say, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? All right. Another story. I don't know if anybody heard of this or not. There's an Indian man, and he's an educated. I think he's like a lawyer or something. Um, but let me read it. It says, I'd rather not be here. Indian man wants to sue parents because he didn't consent to being born. Anybody heard this? Anybody else heard You heard it? This is true. He wanted, he did sue him. It got thrown out of the court, but he sued his parents for having him. Did that mess up your mind or what? But what it does, it opens up a Pandora's box to me. It opens up a box. Did, did anybody here consent to being born? No, you're like ridiculous. I can't consent to being born. You're not born yet. How are you going to consent to being born? And I'm not here to bash, his name is Samuel, but I'm just making a point out of Samuel. Samuel, if you're listening, I'm not here to bash you, okay? I'm just using you as an object lesson. Samuel reportedly, reportedly a, a follower of anti-natalism, I had to look this up, never heard of it before in my life, um, an increasingly popular yet bizarre ideology that believes that it's mor morally wrong for people to procreate. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Wow. But, but, but think about this. Instead of getting, because some of us like, what's wrong with him? He's, but we need to address it. Because guess what? There's a lot of kids, young people, who are dealing with this same thing. It's like, why do I do anything? And let me go to my next question. Why are we here? Remember the first kid, he said, you know what? Life is so horrible. We're living in the projects. You know, mom is being mistreated by guy after guy after guy. Why am I even born? How do you answer somebody like that? How do you answer Samuel, who says, you know what? I don't know what, I don't know what his issue was, but I don't know why he wanted to sue his parents and say, you know what? I want you to pay all my bills for the rest of my life because I did not consent to be born. Exactly. That's the way I did. But we need to address it. Because guess what? There are kids who are dealing with this every day. And I say kids, there are adults who are dealing with this every day. Like, why do I wake up? Why am I doing this? Why am I here? We need to address, and I believe, matter of fact, I know, the greatest answer on the planet is through the Jews and through this, the Torah and through the scripture. And we're going to get to that, but I'm just trying to paint a picture. Paint a picture. The suicide rate in the United States continues to climb. With the rate in 2017 that was 33% higher than in 1999. New research finds. So suicide is a real issue. Uh, was watching a, a suicide attempt. There was a guy, this is recent, probably like last week. He was on the bridge. He was sitting there and the police officer walked up to him. 
and he noticed he was just sitting on the side of the bridge and cars are just going back and forth and he's just sitting there. Dude was contemplating, he was about to jump and he's over a highway, interstate. So if he fell, it was over. And the police officer was brilliant. He just kept talking, hey, what's up, man? You know, I, but I believe God put him in that position to be a help. And that's what God does with us. Sometimes you don't know why you're in a situation. Sometimes you don't know why God has placed you someplace. But understand, in that first statement I had where it says nothing just happens, don't believe it was just a, a coincidence that he was there. I believe it was God ordained for him to be there to help that man. And he talked him down, and the guy was like, no, man. You know, he, he wasn't saying much, but he knew he was going to try to jump. And the guy was just wise. I thought this was brilliant. He was walking kind of behind him on the side. He's like, you know, he made up something. He acted like he was getting ready to go do something. And then he went and grabbed the guy and tackled him to the ground. And I was so relieved because he got him. Out. And the guy, when he, when he was tackled to the ground, he just, he just sobbed. He just cried like a baby because he really wanted help. Because if he really wanted to kill himself, he would have just jumped without anybody waiting. So he waited for somebody to come and have that conversation with him. He didn't say it, but he was saying it. That's why we have to be the voice behind the voice. That's why it's so important to learn how to hear from God. That's something that I can't, nobody can teach you that. That's something that you have to walk with God to learn that. That's why you, like doctors, doctors are practicing physicians. They don't know it all, right? They're learning. We're practicing. We're learning. And as we walk with God more and more, you begin to hear his voice more. You begin to get sensitive to him saying, you need to go over there and talk to him or her. Or you need to stay away from him or her because they're going to mess you up. You get the point? But we need to be perceptive enough to hear from God. That's the whole point. I like this one. It says, whenever I walk in the room, everyone ignores me. It's the elephant. Maybe there's an elephant in the room right now. He's sitting over there. I'm just joking. There's no <laughs> elephant there. You're like, what? Anyway, we need to address the elephant in the room. Sometimes it's awkward to have conversation like this. I like awkward. Maybe because I've been around teenagers for so long that they bring me into awkward. But awkward is good. Awkward means maybe you're getting ready to be on the other side of something that's great. Because if, every, if everybody just agreeing with everything, we come, we agree this, you agree this, you really didn't have a chance to do much growing. Because I want to push you, at least not me specifically, maybe me, but God wants to push us to another place. And I don't know where that is with you. Because everybody has a place that God's going to push them. And we need to be diligent and perceptive enough to hear from him. I'm going back to my question again. Why are we here? I didn't leave it. I have this throughout. I'm just that way. Why are we here? Well, science gives us some answers. It's something, right? But it's not the answer. We're getting to the answer. Science says it was particles and gases billions of years ago, and they exploded, and here we go. The Big Bang Theory. Sure, there's some validity to that, I do, but I love what rabbis take, God said, bang, and here we go. And 
I believe that. I do. Isaac Newton said, science is simply the footstep of God after him. Think about that. Science is just the footsteps of God after him. So we're seeing something. Maybe it's just God. Ain't no maybe it is. But it's just God, but we're just kind of seeing how he did it. That's what I see. Because God is the great designer. So now we've got to go even back further. Think about God. Who was before God? Yes, I'm opening up all kind of Pandora's boxes here. There's nothing before God. See, and if you have that, if you don't understand, you've got to have the understanding that God has always been. He's always been here in the universe. This being always. Why did he even think about creating us? Why does God need me? Hopefully I'm opening up all kind of questions. That's my mission in life. Why does God need us? Why does God need us? That's why a lot of our young people and our kids are having these questions. Because it's not, a, it's not a crazy question to wonder, why are you here? It's not. It's a great question. Like I said, science has some answers. I think there's more. There's more. We're going to get to it. Um, Freud, you heard of Sigmund Freud? And the, the Eid, the ego, and the superego, and all that stuff. We're not going into all that. But if you, if you boil it all down, he believes the reason that we're here is because our mission is to find pleasure. Everything can be boiled down to the, the pleasure principle. So right now, you're trying to find pleasure. Because we like, pleasure's fine. What is pleasure? Things we enjoy doing, right? Um, what's, think of a pleasurable experience. What's a pleasurable experience? Going to the beach. Is going to the beach pleasurable for you? Um, eating that apple pie. Macaroni and cheese. Okay, I just sorry, I just throw that out. Maybe we're all hungry. Anybody hungry? A little bit, okay. All right. The next one is Adler, Alfred Adler. Um, he believes that the why is that so that we can feel belong, that we can belong and feel needed. That's why, that's his why. He believes that everything can be boiled down because we need to belong to something and we need to feel needed. Are those things important? Sure. Is pleasure important? Sure. Those, are, those things are important. But I just don't think that's the ultimate. I think it's so much more to it than that. You're going to love this. Okay, I love this. I couldn't wait to be here. I'm just telling you. I love this. Anyway, Maslow. You heard of Abraham Maslow? Hierarchy of needs. What's the, what's the, what's the first lowest need? Your basic needs, right? You gotta, we were just talking about food. You got to eat. Guess what? If, if you're hungry enough, you don't, nobody wants to hear you talk about the gospel. I'm just being real. <laughs> Feed me first, then I can listen to you. Right? So you got to meet. Sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you got to feed people. I tell you, I, I enjoy going out and helping out with homeless ministry. That's why we feed them. You feed them, the whole mission is to get them the gospel. But guess what? You need to feed sometimes, feed them first. In the high school, we, we feed them donuts. That's probably bad. But <laughs> every Friday, we have a, a meeting, and we, have, we bring the gospel, but we feed them donuts every week. Me and another teacher, we take turns. I bring donuts. She brings donuts. And we, we feed them the gospel, but it's through the donuts. Because guess what? I do this on purpose. On purpose, I, I'll go make my announcement, and I'll walk through the lunchroom holding up my donuts. And guess what? Hey, where you going? Oh, going to a meeting. Want to come? All right, wait, wait. What a... Anyway, it's bait. 
Okay, I know it's bait on purpose. I know that. But some come for the donuts, and they hear a word that just changed your life. Was it worth it for those donuts? Yeah, I'll buy donuts every day if it'll get somebody saved. If that'll work. Because I'm looking at the big picture. Okay, back to our needs. All right, Bertrand Russell, he's an atheist. He said, unless you assume a God, the question of life's purpose is meaningless. So, I would tell Bertrand, you need to reevaluate your values, right? If shown proof of counters belief, some are filled with great grief, but what we should feel is joy and relief. Let me say that again. When shown proof of counters belief, some are filled with great grief. What we should feel is joy and relief. Yes, I memorized that because I love it. Sometimes we're shown the truth, we run the other way because of our pride. Right? That happens all the time. And I'm not talking about nobody else, I'm talking about us. Because it's easy to look at somebody else and say that. But you know what happens when you point your finger at somebody, right? I like to use this. When you point your finger, you got three or four, three or four pointed back at you, right? And nobody does this unless you're crazy. Hey! Hey, man, I'm talking to you! Don't do that, okay? I guess you can if you want to, but nobody does that. But the point is, Bertrand Russell, and I'm not just picking on Bertrand Russell because I don't know him. You got to own it when God shows you things. When God show, shows you a reality that's going to change your life, you got to say, you know what? Am I going to listen to this? Or am I just going to go on and act like, you know what? I'm going to go on and just let the elephant stay in the room. I don't see the elephant. So many times things are in our face and we don't want to change because of so many reasons. And we just got to, and the only person can make that happen is who? You. God's not even going to make you do anything. We have to, we're free moral agents. We have to, I say have to, it's in our best interest to go ahead and get in line with what God is doing. Because it's going to make our lives so much better. You don't have to. We don't have to do anything. Next one, Viktor Frankl is the founder of Logotherapy. Never heard of this until this week, but I thought this was beautiful. Logotherapy. Anybody else heard of Logotherapy? I've never heard of Logotherapy. But have you heard of Logotherapy? I heard Viktor Frankl. Yes, he's, he's awesome. Um, and it's a form of psychotherapy that, that he developed after surviving Nazi concentration camps in the 1940s. After his experience in the, in the camps, he developed a theory that it is through a search for meaning and purpose in life that individuals can endure hardship and suffering. That's beautiful. So he said, you know what, I've been in a, con I've survived a concentration camp. He said, you know what, we didn't have much pleasure there. And I was still able to go on. You think they had a lot of pleasure there? No, they didn't have. They probably found some pleasure somehow in between, but not much. Do you think they, um, you think there were times when their basic needs were not met? Yes. A lot. You think there were times they didn't feel like they belonged? And yeah, all those things that I said earlier from this slide here, reasons why that we were, were here, but all those just fall through the cracks. Those are important. Trust me, they are, but it's just not, it's not the big deal. I think the big deal is when you find meaning and purpose in your life. 
When you find meaning and purpose for your life, you can endure anything. You can go through whatever because God, because you know that God has a greater purpose for your life. I'm going back to the question again. Why are we here? Okay, we're going to answer this through at least another reason I think is great. And I got this. I listen to a lot of not only my rabbis here. My rabbis here are awesome. But I listen to other rabbis as well. I listen to Hasidic rabbis. And I love some things I don't agree with. Some things I go, okay, great, out there. Oh, that one I get. Because some things, just like I showed you all the card earlier, you see it, but you don't see it. So sometimes you got to listen to it and allow God to speak to you. And God's going to show you, does that resonate with him? That's why it's okay for me. I listen to all kind of teachers. Because, again, I just think it's good to listen because I know my relationship with my father. That's not a question at all. I have a relationship with God, period. But I want to hear him, and it might be outside of my box. Sometimes it's hard, but sometimes we got to do that. All right. This comes from an obscure midrash, my favorite, which is a pillar of Hasidism. And, and the midrash basically says the existence of the universe is God's desire to have a dwelling place in the lower world. It's his desire to have a dwelling place in the lower world. Because think about it. Before God created anything, did God need anything? He was just God all by himself. It would have been cleaner for him not to even create us. I hate to say that, but just to be honest, it would have just been clean. He's just God all by himself. He just stays being God. But God, and think about this. He had a desire that came completely from God to create us. And his desire is to have a dwelling place in the lower world. What does that mean? Let's break it down. Let's unpack it. Why are we here? Remember, God desires a dwelling place in our world. Daphne and I, that's my wife, we were married for 29 years. And, yep, 29 years. And when we first got married, I'm basically, when we get married, you say, you know what? I want to make a home with you. It's not... It's not that you're going to go over here and be, and then I'm going to go over here, and we're going to dwell independently. So when God says he wants to have a dwelling place in our world, God is saying he wants us to make a home for him. Does that make sense? So if we're making a home for God, that means God wants to have a relationship with us. That means God wants to dwell with us. And see, this supersedes all the meanings to me. God simply wants us to make a dwelling place in this world so that he can be here with us. That's it. That's our meaning. It's tikkun olam. You know what tikkun olam is? Tikkun olam is you're preparing the world. You're making the world a better place. We're preparing. That's what God has called us to do. God has put us in different places to make a dwelling place for him. That's the big picture. And you got to know the things that you say, the things that you do are so powerful. Because sometimes we think there are, I didn't look it up, I forgot to look it up, but I know there's about 7.5, it's probably more than 7.5 billion people on this planet. Anybody know the number, the population of the world? 7.7 now? 7.7 billion people. Why does what you say matter? You're like, well, that just diminished it. Well, it shouldn't, because if you do simple math, how many people do you think you know? 
How many people you think you've known over a lifetime that you're connected with? And just think about it. Um, is it more than 100? Yeah, definitely more than 100. I estimated, and listened to another teacher, estimated probably at least 1,000 for one person. Does that make sense? So that's 1,000 people that you can come in contact with to have a dwelling place. Now, let's just not look at you. Let's put two people, because you know another person, right? What about your 1,000 and his 1,000? What's 1,000 times 1,000? That's a one with six zeros for you math folks out there. That's, that's a million people with just two people coming together that you can, my point is, even though there's 7.7 billion people on this planet, you're, what you say matters. What you say matters so much. And we need to know that. And we need to know when I say things, it's God speaking through me. Because if I don't believe that, then I'm just going to say, oh, whatever I say doesn't matter. But see, if you know what you say is matters, then when you wake up in the morning, you have a mission. Your mission is to do tikkun alam, is to repair the world, to tell people about God, tell people about the Messiah, and to help people to better themselves. That's the whole point. Uh, this is why the Jewish people are so important. Abraham, Moses, Abraham, Moses, and I just say Abraham, Moses, all the patriarchs um, connected with God. The Jewish people are a physical representation of a people having a relationship with their creator. A group of people we get to learn about. That's why the Jews are so important. You cannot read the scripture without understanding the Jewish people. If not, I don't know what you're reading. You might as well just, I don't even know. You're doing something else. It's just not the scripture. And this is a, two more Hasidic thoughts. Um, I was created to serve my creator. I was created except to serve my creator. That's why I was created, period. So who is really the needy one? Is it us or God? We're the needy ones, but really, God, if you go back to that Midrash, it said, let me go back to that Midrash. I love this. The Midrash says the existence of the universe, and this is if we use this as our premise, this is our base. The existence of the universe is God's desire, God's desire, God's desire, so Guess what? This is all God's idea. This is all God's idea. Everything. Every, every bit of this is God's idea. So God is the needy one. I know that messes up some thinking. and Some people want to throw something at me. I'm a duck. <laughs> but God is the needy one. And let me expand my thinking. Leviticus 23.1. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The feast of the Lord which you shall proclaim to be holy convocation, these are my feasts. Who feasts are those? Those gods. So who needs those feasts? Do I need it? I really don't need it. God needs it. So when we get into the service of God, we're doing, this is for him. See, it's, it's kind of like if somebody worked for me, um, I don't know, I have a business. I have... Um, my business is lawns or us. I just made that up. Anyway, actually, I did used to cut yards when I was a teenager. I made a lot of money, by the way. A lot of money when I was 13. I would come home green, and I'd have green in my pocket. Anyway, that's another conversation. Uh, but my business, if somebody worked for me, they're going to benefit from working for me, right? But whose business is it? That's my business. 
I'm going to benefit the most. So who's, who's getting the most benefit out of us doing um, the feast, out of us serving God? God is. Because God is the needy one. I know that messes up thinking, but I, I love this. Let me keep going. God's needs versus human needs. God needs for us to get it together. And when we get it together, we can create dwelling places all over this earth. God needs to get for us to get our needs in check because our needs are basically how to operate this body. Because all of us need to eat, right? If we didn't eat for a week, some of y'all are going to be different people. Man, if we don't eat for like, a, like 30 minutes for some of us, we're going to be different people. And that's okay. And I love this. When you're at work, when you're at school with family, you are there to make the world godlier, not to satisfy your needs because you never will. You're going to always be hungry. Because guess what? You're going to eat today. You're going to be hungry again tomorrow? Uh, yes. You're going to be hungry the next day? Uh, yes, you are. See, those are human needs. And I'm not, I'm not putting those to the side at all like they're just nothing. But our needs are so down here compared to God's needs. God needs us to get it together so we can get into his house and serve him, so we can work for him, so we can love on him. This is why the rabbis made this statement. This came from the Perkei Avot, Ethics of the Fathers. It says the world stands on three things, the Torah, service, and acts of kindness. See, I understand that so much when you go back to that Midrash. You understand that these are, this, is, this is because God needs us to get it together. He needs you to figure it out. If I had to create a human being, be grateful I don't, I would create a human being that probably didn't need, maybe this human being only survived on water. So God created us to need food for a reason. Why? I don't know. Because he's God. I don't need to figure that out and question it. It's kind of like if I, create, if I designed a car. And what would be the ultimate car design? What do you think? What would be the fuel source for your ultimate car design? Maybe air. It runs on air. But it's just not the case, right? See, God designed us to run on food. And sometimes we, get, and we act like that's our idea. That's God's idea. You need to eat. We need to figure our lives out so we can do these things, so we can do the Torah, so we can follow his word, because we're doing this for God. We need to do this so we can do service. What's the service? It's for him. It, we're creating dwelling places all over this earth for him. Acts of kindness is how we relate to one another. That's the whole point. And this sums it up pretty good. Uh, Matthew 6, 33-34. Um, this is in the ESV. But God, excuse me, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So God says to seek him first. And if you seek him, your needs will be met. That's nothing for God. Of course he's going to feed you. He's God. Of course he's going to take care of you. But we have to do our due diligence to seek him. And sometimes we forget that because some of us, just to be honest, our needs are so unmet. That's all we worry about. Because we're just trying to figure out how to pay the rent. Right. We're just trying to figure out how to what am I what's going to be my next meal. Some of us are maybe not quite as that bad, but 
we could be in that way because some of us are very needy. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody needy in here? Don't look at anybody. Don't look at anybody. But maybe you're needy. But you know what? It's okay if you're, I say it's okay, but we need to recognize that I am needy and I need to work on that. I need to get unneedy because I have a lot of needy students in school and just, and I tell them in their face they're needy. You are too, stop. Sit down. Just calm down. And sometimes you need people to tell you that, like, you are needy. You just, see, God needs for us to get our act together. And we get our act together, we can do a blessing and help others. We need to get our diet together. Yeah, I'm going there. Anyway, we got we to gotta do our due diligence and learn how to eat right. Right? Is that God's job? No. He already designed this human being perfectly the way he wanted to design it. And we have to do our due diligence to learn how to work this thing, how to figure it out. When I buy a car, is it the manufacturer's job to come and make sure that I take care of that car to help it run? No. He designed that car perfectly, and you need to go back and look at the, the, the owner's manual and learn what to do to figure it out. See, God has designed us perfectly. We need to just stop being needy and work on ourselves. And when we do that, and then all we got to do, I say all, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We seek him, he's going to help us fulfill our needs. That's easy for God. You know, it's an insult to even ask him and say, are you going to take care of my needs? What? He created the universe. He created everything. Your needs are nothing to God. That's why if we seek him and follow him, he'll do that for us easy. So my, the last, this one down here says, our needs are there to keep me functioning properly. That's the whole point. This is go- okay, this is going to hopefully make you think. It made me think for like a week. Does God always deci- decide the outcome of your choices? I asked Daphne this early in the morning. She's like, what? Get away from me. <laughs> Does God always decide the outcome of your choices? Yes, you're thinking, and I love it because it made me think all week. I don't know if I have the answer. I think I do. His, his purpose will be fulfilled on this earth. I believe that. But do you believe people have, have a free, your free moral agents to make your own choice? Does God decide the outcome of that choice? Good. I love this. This is beautiful. What if I had a gun and I pick it up and I decide to point it at somebody to shoot them? I don't. Maybe I do. Anyway, I decide to point it at you and shoot you. Okay. I'm making a decision to shoot you. Does that mean you're going to die? Depends how good of a shot you are. Depends how good of a shot I am? And, and what else? Maybe it also depends. Maybe he's fast enough to move out of the way. Maybe he can do this. Maybe he can do the, um, the matrix. Okay, I'm sorry. So, so who's making that decision on whether he lives or dies? Is it me? I believe it's God. Yes, I'm messing with your brains on purpose. Because I believe it's God. I don't believe it's me. I don't have that much authority over anybody. Sometimes you think you do, but you don't. Yes, we're making decisions all day. We're deciding to go left and go right. You think you're making decisions. You are making decisions, but God is deciding the outcome. Have you ever decided, and this happens, this happens all the time to people, you say, you know what? 
I'm, I'm headed to work, but something happened. Oh, I got a flat tire. And, and this thing happened over here, and then now this thing over here. I don't know what happened. And you get to work, and maybe something horrible happened at work. And you were grateful that those things happened to you. You think that just happened by chance? No. I don't believe it happened by chance at all. I believe God is the perfect designer. He is the perfect designer. And for me, that brings me so much peace. That means, you know what? All I need to do is get in the flow, follow him, work on myself, learn how to eat right, learn how to develop me, you know, don't be so needy, and God's going to take care of the rest. Does that make sense? This made me think all week. Oh, I forgot that one statement. Um, freedom of choice is the ability to, to respond to someone else's freedom of choice. Going back to that shooting incident. I'm going to shoot, point my gun. Sorry to point at you. All right. All right I'm, I'm pointing my gun to shoot, but guess what? That's my freedom of choice. He has freedom of choice as well. Maybe he's so fast, he's going to do something to shoot me back. Right? So freedom of choice is the ability to respond to someone else's freedom of choice. You make a move, I make a move, but God decides the outcome. That took me all week to come up with that, I'm telling you. Joseph said to his brothers, you think you sent me to Egypt. Who do you think you are, God? You are just jealous, petty people who made bad choices. I love that. Maybe you are just like me. That doesn't put you in a position of authority. Joseph's brothers were just petty. They were just petty, right? They were just petty, like some of us are petty right now in here as I'm speaking. Right? That's, are those human needs or God's needs? Those are human needs. We're petty because we got to figure it out. We got to figure out how to develop us. We got to figure out how to be whole and strong in him. That's not God. He already gave us this perfect design. He gave us a book that describes the perfect design. It's our own ignorance. We don't read the book and learn what he wants us to do. And then we go and blame God. Why, God, why, why am I driving this ugly car? Well, maybe because you're making bad decisions. Maybe you're just too proud to say A, B, or C. Right? All right, that was too much in the face. All right, that's how it looks. I like in the face, though. I told you I like awkward. Another instance, Esther 4.14. I love the book of Esther. Um, for if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. He was, he was telling him, you know what? You think you're doing something. Yes, you can help. Trust me. But if you don't do something, God's going to bring deliverance to us. And see, that needs to be your attitude. You think you're doing something to hurt me. Maybe you've had somebody to hurt you in your life. Maybe you've had a dad or a mom or a family member who just did horrible things to you. And trust me, that happens all the time. But guess what? That's between them and God. See, your response is between you and God. Maybe you were molested as a child. Does that happen all the time? Yes, yes it does. And can you tell a child this? Maybe not. Maybe a child won't understand it because they're a kid. Because the kid is looking up to their mom like, you're taking care of me, you know, or dad. And now you're, so their, their world is all messed up because this is all they see. 
But you tell young people this so they can put this thing together and say, you know what? God created me for this greater purpose, for this greater vision. And the greater vision is to make a place for God to dwell on this earth. And I got a lot more slides, but it's 11 o'clock. And anyway, so I think we'll end here. Um, so we'll start service in about 10 minutes. And so we can go and hang out and chill out and use the restroom and all that stuff. So let's pray. I'm going to say the ending prayer. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam, ashir natanlano Torah imet vekaye olam natabetukenu, baruch atah Adonai notain haTorah. Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe, who gave us the Torah of truth and set everlasting life in our midst. Blessed art thou, O Lord, giver of the Torah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much.